of St. Mary of Furness in the Vale of Deadly Nightshade, June 1240 AD. Podcast 3 continued. Abu Guy was as tall and erect as the landholder Joseph had recently met in the grounds, lean and athletic, with a bony face and set-back steel-blue eyes. His tonsure was set amongst wild black hair, seemingly almost out of place, Joseph knew from his own experience that without his ceremonial robes, Abbot Guy could have passed for a soldier in the king's army. They sat down at the table facing each other. The abbot smoothed down the parchment in front of him and leaned back in his chair, elbows resting and hands clasped. This letter you delivered states that you are here on behalf of King Henry and the Archbishop of Savigny. It also states that your commission is to compare the affairs and finances of this abbey in relation to that of fountains. What experience do you hold of such affairs, brother? I've studied law and health and helped in the administration of the property of the French Knights Templar. That may well be, but I'm sure you'll have difficult tasks. There is little here to compare with fountains. We serve under opposing laws and are of lesser size. I believe your administration will be proved far superior, Abbot. Abbot leaned forward, his palms together in the form of prayer, nose resting on fingertips, thumb supporting the chin. He rocked slowly back and forth, blowing warm air between his palms. As if in deep thought, he cast a discerning eye over Joseph from beneath drooping eyelids. After a measured silence, he rested his hands on the table and leaned back in his chair. He must realise that I have been in office for less than a year. I am in an awkward position, trying to cover up for the deviances and other shortcomings of my predecessor, William. Oh! I had no idea that William had any deviances of it. Why should he cast doubt over William's character, Joseph thought. My presence here is to compare the affairs of Furness Abbey to those of Fountains and to pass on any improvements that may assist other monasteries. Furness Abbey is considered to be one of the most wealthy and successful in the land. If that's a compliment, brother, then I thank you for it. You must forget that I mentioned the weakness of William. His death brought great sadness and came as a shock to us all. Abagai closed his eyes and crossed himself. May the good man rest in peace.
Joseph decided not to press the subject. As you previously held the position of prior, you will be able to inform me of the runnings of the Abbey in regards to its records of trade and finance. I shall place you with Prior Michael, and together, with the help of the sub-prior and the bursar, we shall have you out of here in no time at all. Don't be in too much of a hurry, Abbot Guy. There are rumours to dispel before I leave. You talk with authority, brother. But your manner verges on arrogance. I must warn you of your place. And if you're only dealing rumours, then your findings will be worthless. He stared at Joseph in deliberate silence, pausing for a reply, but not inviting one. Joseph was feeling uncomfortable, knowing, waiting for the abbot to continue. I hear you have arrived with a visitor from fountains, and that he travelled under your protection. There were the fountains made us very welcome, and when he requested our services, we were pleased to assist. The novice has commission to fill full before returning. A transcription to be agreed upon, I'm told. In the meantime, I'm sure that you could find suitable task for my travelling companion, Philip. It would be most preferable if we could all leave together. Philip has the look of a soldier about him, Brother Joseph. You're a very observant, Abbot Guy. It's a trade I'm familiar with. Your companion shall help with organising the lay brothers in the day-to-day tasks. Prior Michael will see to it. From the first day they had entered the wall enclosure and moved amongst them, the brethren knew that Joseph and Philip were no ordinary monks. Anyone who slept beneath the sword that was hung above his mattress like a holy cross had to be questionable. When he arrived, I saw him unstrap a dagger from his forearm and I swear the handle was a bone sculpture of our saviour. The fat monk gasps in horror. What do you make of it, Brother Andrew? Do you think they still serve the Templar? I'm sure they do, brother. We must be careful with our speech and confer often with Prior Michael. Joseph had sensed a different atmosphere to that of Fontaine's. He had immediately set about asking the brothers pertinent questions and since the brethren were secretive. His observation confirmed the belief of the vicar of Dalton that there was too much power and wealth in the monastery, and that in turn had cultivated greed. But Joseph had more than one problem on his mind, and his impatience was evident. He was becoming obsessed with Abba William's death, even to the point of visiting William's place of rest in the monastery cemetery. Joseph thought the gravestones to be suitably impressive and close enough to the grave of Reginald, the King of Man, to be considered honourable. But he had a lingering suspicion that the abbot had been prematurely deposed from his office. The choir brothers informed him that William's death was from sudden illness. They said that he had a fever and was hallucinating for days before they found him. He was lying in the beck that flowed through the grounds. When he questioned them further, they fell silent. Thereafter, he found it hard to gain their confidence, and he became suspicious 
of the meandering explanations. After the information gathered from his meeting with Vicar Robert de Wath, whether true or false, Joseph had the mind that no one should be exempt from suspicion, not even the Vicar of Dalton. Joseph arranged for Philip and Daniel to accompany him on a visit to Ramside Woods to converse with the local sorceress. Philip remained on watch outside, whilst he used Daniel to question her. Ever asked your advice? What kind of advice, brother? They may have asked for information on a poison that would help someone to a slow death. Now why would a learned monk ask a poor ignorant old witch about poisons? You answer a question with a question which, and that annoys me. You would know the local toxins that are most available, and I'd search for one that might impart hallucinations. The whole district knows of the deadly nightshade, but you would have to partake in large quantities to bring death to an elderly. Why would the brethren need my advice when they know it grows freely in the dale? You are asking questions again, which? Now do you deny that you have spoken to any of the brethren? My name is Gwyneth, and the answer is yes, I have spoken to the brethren. The herbalist occasionally calls and asks me for the location of choice native plants. The monastery already has large herbal gardens. He prepares the plants growing wild for his medicines, and he taught me to look for God's signature on the plant, to determine which ailment it cures. I have seen the signs myself which, and they are often true. I often wonder if the devil marks his poisons in the same way. Not all poisons are bad, brother. A small dose can sometimes heal. Was that William given a small dose which? My name is Gwyneth, if you please. Are you accusing me or inquiring of my knowledge? Whatever suits your reasoning. Gwyneth looked you in the eye, with cold expressionless face. She had no intention of answering. You say the herbalist calls on you here, um, uh, Gwyneth? Not as frequently. Not since he found work for Helena at the Abbey. What kind of work? And who is Helena? She's the granddaughter of a late friend and delivers special herbs to the monastery hospice. She also serves the Abbot's house on occasions, especially when he entertains important people. But this Helena of the hair the colour of golden wheat. Gwyneth smirked, that would be hair. I warn you, Gwyneth, that I serve the King and Archbishop and have the authority to investigate any suspicious misdoings. I object to you threatening me, madam brethren, and take heed that Helen has a good relationship with the abbot. They say he covets her. She smirked again as she also turned to leave. This may not be the last you see of me, which, so be careful. As he approached Philip, Joseph caught a glimpse of a blonde-haired woman quickly turning away from her path. She's avoiding me. Joseph recognised the posture and thought it to be the same attractive woman they had seen on their first day in the Abbey grounds. Did you see that woman, Philip? Yes, she works for the abbot. 
The woman is under his protection and sometimes needs to stay overnight. How do you know? I know because Daniel told me. He has sharp ears and tells me that he had some sleepless nights in the dormitory. He also finds time to communicate with the secular servants. They dine behind the refractory dividing wall and they rarely eat in silence. Joseph faced Daniel and looked at him in a different light. He surely keeps himself to himself and he has a knowing look about him. Well then, Philip, Daniel and I can now tell you that her name is Helena, can't we, Daniel? The novice nodded sheepishly. Yes, we can, Brother Joseph. And Daniel thought, I'll have to be more careful with Brother Joseph in the future. Helen watched the trio out of sight before calling on her benefactor. She placed a basket of bread inside the door and sat down beside the old lady in front of the boiling cauldron. They both rested with arms on laps, gazing at the simmering liquid in a comfortable silence of familiarity. They listened to the sound of the forest for a while, before Helena gave out a sigh and broke the peace. What was his business with you? Whatever it was, I didn't like his manner. He was far too inquisitive, and he was interested in both you and the abbot. So I'll be warned, my lass. Be careful. How was he interested? He was asking about poisons. Herbal poisons that would cause a slow death. He suggested that I may know something of the abbot's death and that you could also be involved in the administration. But I liked Abbot William. He was a kindly man and they say he died of natural causes. The brothers saw him snatch at his chest and collapse alongside the brook that runs through the grounds. I only believe what I see, Ella, not what I hear. The French monk is obviously of the same mind. Uncle Rolf told me they are here to compare the affairs of the Abbey to those of fountains. Then you know more than I do, Helena. But sometimes, the least I know the better. I've never asked you this before, because it never concerned me. What happens to the herbs after you deliver them? He says they are for the hospice, but it's not on my business. And you have never seen them taken from the house? Not that I can remember, but that evil-looking brother, Henry, is always running to and fro. Am I supposed to know him? He's the small, hungry-looking one who used to call with Brother Michael before Abbot William's death. Ah, yes, he's a knowledgeable one. What do you mean? I mean he knows about poisons. I'm not a fool, and the more I think of it, the more I shudder. He looks like walking death. Perhaps our French physicists know more than they suggest. But you think that they are here to bring down the abbot? That would make my task so much easier. What on earth are you talking about, lass? They will snuff you out like a candle, on as much as the breath of a whisper. I think the abbot already knows the truth about the amulet. He's even taken to giving me the key for the cellar that I might go down and fetch my prize like a doll. And then he shows me off to his important visitors. He teaches me, and I hate him for it. 
but none of that will matter when the time arrives for me to reclaim my inheritance. I don't want to know, Helena. I would never have suggested you for the work if I had known of your madness. You have to let go of the past. Helena wasn't listening. She was deep in thought, her excitement growing, speaking as if to herself. If there's any way I can help them bring him down, I will. It could be to my advantage to speak in secret with this brother Joseph. Gwyneth shook her head as she listened to the rumbling words and felt obliged to interrupt. I can smell trouble brewing. Be careful what you say, Helena. You know nothing of the visiting brothers and you could be placing yourself in danger. Brother Joseph is an inquisitor, a man possessed by his devotion to the church. His companion is a silent one who watches over him. The novice is being used, but he has knowing eyes and he is intelligent. You should be patient until they have completed their business here. You have learned a great deal of them in such a short visit. I can see the best and the worst in people, and you would do well to listen. But Helena was possessed, obsessed with her task, as Joseph was with his. The abbot will be sailing at the end of the trading season, and when he leaves, the anchor will be in my possession.